on today's player pool. After a month, player pool listeners are starting to see some pretty hefty results. Multiple player pool listeners placing in the tops of leagues in week five. I'm also going to discuss late swapping, how it works, and when you should use it. Then we have a segment of growers and showers, everybody's favorite. Finally, we take a look at all week five games. Fantasy football hating head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, must be in my player pool occasionally because they discovered something new this week, the forward pass. Desmond Ritter over 300 yards passing? What? Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back, welcome back everyone to the Player Pool Podcast. Happy you're here. I think you're happy to be here. If you're like some of my listeners this week, you've been paying attention, you've been putting in the time, sticking to your Player Pool, building it, following all the steps that we've been teaching this whole season, and... A month in, just a short month in, with a lot of you being either new to DFS or coming back after a very long time, I'm looking at the top 12 placements across my contests, and while I'm up there too, so are other player pool guys. And I can tell that because you guys are rocking the player pool logo as your profile picture on FanDuel. I really appreciate that, and I want to make it funny. I want to keep putting three, four, five, six of us in the money in those top 12s. It's so funny to see that happen. And uh, starting to get messages now. Guys are starting to really realize why DFS is the best form of fantasy football, bar none, because you have control and ownership of your outcomes every single week. You can restart every week. You're not married to a piss-poor draft in August or early September. And if you follow what I teach about bankroll management, you can, you're starting to see over the course of a season how you'll actually have some, something to stand on, a number that gives you an evaluation of your fantasy prowess. So, you know, the guys that have reached out to me so far, I know they're guys that aren't listening to this pod just to try to read what I think of players. Like, I, I generally like to talk about players, and I think it's good to kind of categorize them, but... I do my best to tell you who not to, or I do my best to just not really say, hey, we're playing this guy, we're playing that guy. I think it's good to use them as comparisons and say this is what a player of this caliber would be labeled in the player pool. You know, for example, Tyreek Kill, Slate Breaker, that's an example of that. You know, I want to I wanna have those examples for you, but what makes the player pool amazing is it just solidifies your own fantasy mindset. That's That's what I've been saying this entire time when I first started this show a, a good friend of mine he he was saying you know hey like what's gonna happen if you're giving picks and people follow your picks and you're not you're not nailing them you know like is there any legal blowback things like that and I said to him at the time that's not my goal here that's not the goal of the show I just want to protect betters and fantasy players from their, from themselves because most people are good fantasy football players if they're putting in just the average amount of time But what happens is, especially in this day and age with that screen that lives in our pocket at all times that we go to, anytime we feel any sort of anxiety or boredom or stress, anything, you know, we go to our phones and then on those phones, if you love football, your social media is covered, is covered with all these guys and they just want your attention. They don't care how they get it. So all that beautiful fantasy mindset you have in in your mind that could be 
played out pretty well in football. The reason you haven't been good at DFS up until this point is you, you've been getting unduly influenced and chasing kind of all these prayers and all these other, you know, this or that. This week is the hot guy. No, this week is the hot guy. Taking out that terrible game of whack-a-mole is the main mission, I think, here for the player pool. And seeing it just, it takes time. Like I said on the last show, anything that's enviable in life took time to build. Anything. Anyone who's ever gotten something incredible, whether it be riches or some, some sort of cool material item, when they get it overnight, think about that. What happens to it, right? What happens to the fortune that's won in the lottery? What happens to, you know, the cool trinket that is just, you know, dropped to you out of the blue? People trash it. People mess it up. People lose it all quickly because only things that take time to build, in my opinion, truly last. And building into this process, as some of the listeners have, they're starting to see the lasting effects. I had a guy text me today and say, I've never played DFS this long and not had to redeposit. And in fact, he's up on the season. I think I have a couple listeners at least now that fit that mold. So it's hard to describe the passion I feel just igniting my chest when I think about that, when I see those texts, when I see those results. And it, it comes just out of pure love, pure love for, for daily fantasy sports, specifically football. Uh, and I just, I love being able to share something like that with, with other people. So woo, just starting the day like that. Um, if you're feeling like you're left out of this, like you're, Hey, I feel like I'm left out of the player pool or where's all this excitement. I'm getting absolutely nowhere. I do want to take some time now and just talk about how my process, you know, I'll get leaks in the pool, right? I, my process throughout the week, especially this year, you know, I've been adjusting, uh, doing the show where we put out three episodes a week so that takes time uh you know like an episode like this can take anywhere from hour and a half to three hours you know depending so and i you know i do i work a full-time job you know this isn't my day job so i've had to adjust a lot this year and i've already and i've had a lot of holes in my process a lot of inconsistency in my process so far throughout the season and i would say last week was my cleanest week yet in terms of process and i'm, I'm going to stick more to that but you got to ask yourselves, you know, where are your leaks in this process? Are you putting in time or are you rushing? Because what happens when you start rushing, you're going to start, you get lazy because you want to still produce. And then you lean on to all those things that can unduly influence you in a poor way. You're, you're scrolling more on Twitter. You're looking at a, a player picks article, uh, you know, the hot players this week, things like that. And you're leaving yourself. And, and then when you leave yourself, you won't put anything good or genuine or anything that really has a, kind of a whole thought process behind it into these lineups. So, you know, ask yourself, are you giving yourself enough time? How much time do you need? If you're a guy that can just endlessly tinker at your lineup until kickoff, maybe you need to have a point where you kill that unless strong new news happens or a very big new realization happens as in, oh, I forgot the slate breaker this week, something like that. Maybe you need to make sure you're not tinkering yourself to death. Maybe you need to start building your player pool earlier in the week. Maybe it needs to be a Thursday player pool build and a Friday lineup construction session. You know, just like two hours at night, uh, just sitting down and just saying, hey, I'm going to make my five lineups here, and then we'll take another look at them, you know, on Exposure Saturday. That's what I did last week is I made my player pool early on Thursday, and then I built my lineups on Friday, but I didn't. I kind of just said, I'm just going to build them. And then I'm going to work on covering exposure Saturday and kind of spacing that out 
and giving myself time to just every time I was engaged, I was fresh. That really helped my process. So again, ask yourselves, where's if, if you're completely off the mark before you just give up completely, are, are you rushing things? Are you trying to jam everything in last minute? Are you not following the player pool steps? I mean, are you, are you not, you know, getting to your base build? Are you not making a choice at the beginning to, you know, I'm playing a quarterback stack or I'm playing that naked quarterback and here's what the base idea of the build is. You know, going section by section is so important in this. And and again, it's you gotta you gotta lay your foundation, right? So we're always doing our lowest viable defense and tight end just to lay the foundation. Then you go down, you get to your base, the core idea of the of the lineup you're building. Naked quarterback stack, game stacks, correlate those, right? How many guys in that game and this game does that make sense? And then you gotta go and cover your exposures. You gotta see okay, well, what individual players can I fill the, the holes in this lineup? You know, I explained how when you're halfway through that decision tree, you've pretty much covered half your lineup choices, but eventually you are going to have to plug and play a couple individuals. And then finally, the last step, again, you raise the floor, right? You got to raise that foundation. So you got a couple hundred bucks left over, time to di- diversify those bargain bin tight ends. Or if there's a couple viable defenses close together, diversify. I mean, it's, it's a real simple step, and the steps are in place in that order to protect you from yourself, you know? So if I haven't gone over those steps more in depth, definitely hit me up on Twitter at player pool pod, or send me an email, the, the player pool podcast at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to go more in depth over any step. Um, it, it, whether it's on an individual basis, it doesn't have to be through the show. I'll respond to you right in DMS, shoot you an email back, uh, you know, whatever you need. I just want more guys to, to enjoy this part of the process. So, all right, enough player pool wrap-up. Just getting excited. I want to lead into the show today with a story about late swapping and then discuss late swapping just a little bit. Now, I would say late swapping should be reserved for elite DFS players. And maybe not elite, but veteran. <laughs> veteran or well-seasoned or very confident DFS players because the risk with late swapping is you could shoot yourself on the foot. And I want to explain just kind of my theory behind it and when you should use it, when you should not. And I had a perfect week of using late swap or, or, or more like a perfect week of an example of when I should have used late swap. So I had a lineup this week, just the first time for the story, say that, see both sides of this coin. I had a lineup this week. Anthony Richardson was the quarterback. It was the Colts, uh, the Colts Titans stack. So it had Richardson, Hunter Henry, Pittman, probably DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just going off memory here. But then more importantly, it had Jamar Chase in there, and I believe even Mixon as well. So when I saw that Richardson was gone, and as the afternoon games were approaching where everybody would be locked in, this lineup only had like maybe 80 points, maybe like 85 so I reason that, one, I'm going to need two nuclear games anyway. Chase and Mixon in the same lineup, not necessarily optimal, right? Because if one does well, it probably takes the touchdown away from the other. So I went for the late swap, and I swapped out Chase for Cooper Cup because I figured Cooper Cup would be super low-owned, and I was right. And then Cooper Cup goes off. He has his game, 15 points, respectable for a return. Jamar Chase has his nuclear game. And I know what your first thought would be, and what I even felt in the moment was, aw, now I'm, one, I didn't play Jamar Chase, so I'm paying for it because the the Chase success did push my top lineup out of the very tippy top of the money. 
So, yes, I was losing money because of Chase's success, but not because of the lineup that I had swapped him out of. That one would have been dead in the water anyway. If I would have left Chase in there, the lineup still would have only done about 130, 135. Wouldn't have cashed anything. Maybe a, maybe a big tournament. Maybe. Minimum cash. So, but in the moment, it felt like, oh, I'm missing out on the Chase experience. But in hindsight, it was still the right call. As crazy as it sounds, because, you know, we, we got our results now. But it was still, at the moment, the right call because I had no hope, no chance, even with the 50-burger from Chase. But I did have a chance with a, you know, a 40-burger and a 40-burger if it would so ever happen to be mixing in cup. So you're definitely mitigating your losses, right? You're mitigating your damages when you do that type of late swap and you you basically downgrade the players. But what you're what you're hoping for is in a... 0% chance of success situation, you can give yourself 10% chance. So that's an example of when you're doing it to avoid loss. So the two the two ways to use or think about when should I use late swap are, they're kind of like the bookends of your results. So bookends, you know, they they, they hold the, the all the books on the shelf. There are ones on one side, ones on the other. So I just described the low end bookend situation of, well, this lineup has no hope in hell. So get weird with it. Play some high upside guys that are certainly going to be lower value, even if you're going down in your player rankings to get them. So that's one instance of late swapping. The second instance of late swapping, I think, this is a working theory, but I think I finally understand why the top DFS players love love late swap. Because every week I put five to nine, and I'm going to do my best to make it five fully going forward. But I put... Five to nine, truly great, in my opinion, great, well-built DFS lineups in there. And then we let the results roll out, right? So then almost every week, I only have like one or two of those lines truly in the hunt for medium money, maybe with some you know big money upside. I have one of those lineups heading in to the afternoon slate of games. And my lineup at the time, I think was like one like 146, which is already top of the contest. And then I had Pacheco to go. So Pacheco, I did not have as high ranked in my player pool as I did Brees Hall. Wait, Brees Hall? Yeah, Brees Hall of the Jets, right? He had a cupcake matchup against one of the worst defenses ever seen in the NFL. You know, it was a glorious matchup. So I could have, as I was heading into that last game, I saw Pacheco, who I don't have a lot of confidence in. I don't like him as a runner as is. And I really just had him in the lineup in this lineup I had him in for exposure's sake. I just hadn't gotten him in my Chiefs stack, so I just wanted a piece of Pacheco. And there I am with one viable lineup truly able to hit the money. What I should have done there is I should have late swapped at that point in time. Late swapped Pacheco out for Brees Hall, who had a mightier matchup with higher ownership too. And in a way, think of it like this. Think of it as this lineup is like a guided missile. It's dropped from very high above. And as it's approaching its target to the ground, at the last second, the computer chip in there makes it just just adjust, just a tad, just so it, it nails its target dead on. That is what me late swapping to Brees Hall there at the end is. That is what it should have been. And I've learned my lesson. So, and, and again, a lot of things have to happen here, right? This is the other side of the bookend. I'm already way up in the money. I am swapping out a player who Pacheco was not correlated to anyone else in my lineup, right? So I didn't lose any correlation at all. And 
it be damned that I was worried about exposures at the beginning of the slate before kickoff. At the end, with only one to two viable lineups left standing that have potential to cash, I need to go all in on the absolute best. Like I need to reward myself. Okay, you know, eight of nine picks were fantastic. Now reward yourself with the easiest pick of the slate. That's what I should have done. It is almost, it's anti, it's, it, how should I describe it? My instincts were screaming to do that, but it's, it's just so weird. It feels so foreign to do that when you're in success, right? Like, oh, it's doing well. Why would I mess with it? Well, you need to have your exposures. You need to have some Pacheco. You need to have Brees Hall. All that's out the window there at the very end, right? As that missile is about to hit, I should have made my little adjustment there and I would have nailed my target and uh, would have probably had to have gone out and get a new mic for this podcast because I would have been screaming through that mic on Sunday afterward because, you know, I, you know, I left, I left a lot on the table. I had a, I had a good week. It was respectable by all means, but I could have had a, you know, top three, four week of the season, most likely if I just make that little adjustment, but that is, that is elite level DFS play. And I think maybe I'm just ready for it. So the situation is not always going to show itself. It's not something that you just do at the end. You do in between the, the early and, and late uh, slate of games. But in that situation, again, with a lineup already pretty high up there, with a single player left who was uncorrelated to the rest of the lineup, who had a better option that I could easily have gotten, instead, I should have just done that. So learn my lesson, and that's how we get better. Before we take a look at week five's games and takeaways, we have a, another segment of growers and showers. Wanting to take a look at players who have defined themselves one way or another or you know, know how to really get a good extension into our player pools, maybe into different areas, different tags, different labels. So as new players develop, we have to acknowledge it eventually, right? As I said, my grandpa always says, never be the first to embrace the new thing but definitely don't be the last and i think we're at that point with some of these players here so first grower of the week and it's time finally but devon a chain a chain a chain that's how you pronounce his last name i think this one is for listener chad out there who had to let me know that once again i'm mispronouncing somebody's name so devon a chain this week 2.8 8x value, 21 fantasy points, 11 carries, 151 yards, touchdown, and a fumble. To me, watching him play, he is the modern Chris Johnson. He just is. He glides through that first five to eight yards and then disappears completely once he's past uh, once he's past the linebacking level. So I think at this point he has grown into a high-end stud, flirting, flirting with slate breaker role. Now his big games actually haven't gone very high. I mean, he hasn't broken, you know, 30 points. So he's not quite at a slate breaker level. But if something were happened to Raheem Mostert, he almost becomes a lock for what he can do if he were to get 20 touches in a game. He is operating off high, high efficiency touches right now. So it's going to be scary. I don't know what his price is going to be if he's on the main slate. I don't even know if the Dolphins are playing the main slate, but I would imagine his price would probably start being in the eight to 8,500 range. And that's probably an appropriate fair price. But A-Chain, he has finally, uh, I would say, grown into a, a stud running back play, high end possibly. And now one for showers. This is uh, one of uh, Matthew Stafford's favorite partners. We all know we just we have that one buddy we just we just love to to you know show out with, and 
and that's Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper Cup comes back. There's a lot of talk about, ooh, he went to Minnesota for his hamstring, and, you know, what could it be? He's old. He's old. A lot of that. And he came out, and in his return, you know, hardly was on a snap count at all and turned in a respectable line. 15.8 points. That was almost 2x value. So if you played him or you played Puka Nakua, you pretty much got the same value return. Eight catches, 118 yards. Didn't look like he had missed the first month of the season at all. So Cooper Cup showing you he ain't dead yet. He's still the guy. So don't put a fork in these guys just because they have, uh, you know, a three in their age, you know, at the beginning of their age number. These guys are still useful till they're shown otherwise. And I've already mentioned him, but a grower to me that showed himself this week is Puka Nakua. Seven catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Is he going to be that erupting slate breaker? No. But you know what? We need more stud, just stud, wide receivers anyway. I'm getting killed in the 6,500 to 7,500 wide receiver range. So, Puka showed he ain't going anywhere either. He's going to be in the game script. He's getting a lot of targets in a pass-friendly offense. And Puka's here to stay. He's a stud wide receiver moving forward. And, yeah, you're going to have to play that game between him or Cup. But, like I said, this week, a good example against a pretty pretty solid team. Both players very viable moving forward. It's just going to come down to their price. Back over to the showers. Just because you have a bad showing sometimes. Maybe the pool was just cold. You can't help it. But I was right last week, and I'll say it now in my victory lap. Joe Burrow showed you. He is still the fucking man. He is still a top five quarterback, whether you like it or not, whether his calf likes it or not. We know the Cincinnati Bengals fans like it a lot. But Joe Burrow, 36 of 46, 317 and three touchdowns, as he should against an Arizona team. He is showing you, listen, there's no dramatic right turn in my story, okay? I just didn't have a leg, and a leg is is very useful in football. He had multiple scrambles in this game. He showed you he is mobile. So, Whatever that calf thing was, is doesn't look like it's going to be a season-long issue. Moving forward, I would say wheels up on the Joe Burrow plan. plane he's taking off. So, love to see that. We missed you, Joe. Now back to the growers. DeAndre Swift. I mean, this guy must have grown some armor or something because he was made of glass in Detroit. And here he is on this Eagles team. Double the touches at this point. Almost a month worth of double touches. Three games now. A ton of usage. And they're using him against the tough teams and the tough run defenses trying to crack them. And that's pretty cool as well. So DeAndre Swift fully grown up into a stud, easy stud running back role moving forward. And for a shower, David Montgomery for the Detroit Lions is showing you how he likes to be used, okay? It's always good with people you're, you know, you're working with to understand what their likes and dislikes are, okay? So be gentle with David Montgomery. He's showing you that if the Lions are, especially at home, but if they are favorites over a team, he is going to get a healthy load of carries and going to deliver expectations. I said last week I didn't love David Montgomery because 8500 bucks for a player of his talent level to me as an evaluator, eh, I just don't like when the price is higher than the, than the talent, right? But in this game script, a team they were supposed to pulverize with all the injuries on the Detroit Lions, David Montgomery, he's showing you I can be exactly what you think I am, 
given the matchup. So I'm going to be leaning a lot towards him because Detroit wants this identity. They want the 30-plus rush attempts a game game script, and that's fine. So if they're playing teams that where you know they're going to be up, and I think Detroit's like a 13-win team this year. Don't forget, they still have to play the Bears, Packers, and Vikings again, which could very well be three easy wins again. So, yeah, Montgomery, as long as he's healthy, every single week you're going to have to do a really tough matchup evaluation for who the who the Lions are playing. All right, back to growers. I got a pair of growers because there's nothing – you know, the only thing better than one grower – is two at the same time. In this one, we have Johnny Smith and Tyler Conklin. Two bargain bin tight end options. They're people too. Tight ends are people too. And what they're showing here is that they are viable options at that bargain bin price. Arthur Smith hates Kyle Pitts. We all know this. That is a fact, right? <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure they have a great relationship, just not in their fantasy league. But Johnny Smith getting all the targets at tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. Six targets this week or I believe it was six catches. And then Tyler Conklin, as long as Zach Wilson is is in at quarterback, is the constant safety valve for Wilson. You can rely on Conklin between a price of 4700 and 5K to get, you know, four to six targets a game. And that's all you're asking for at that price level. So two weeks in a row, Conklin does well for you, delivers that 1.7X value, which is all, all you're getting out of these tight ends. And I do have a last shower, but this is not in a positive light. And honestly, it's not like this player needs any more spotlight nowadays. But Travis Kelsey showing us all why we disrespect the tight end position. What if I told you that Travis Kelsey caught 10 balls and a touchdown? What would you think he did to the slate? Because what if I told you he delivered with that stat line just 2x value? Because that's what happened. So there's some of you out there, maybe, I hope not. If you're a player pool listener, I really hope we've moved past this. But there are some out there who played Travis Kelsey. They could have played Jamar, Chase, Devin A. Chain, anybody else. But they paid 8800 for Travis Kelsey to get exactly 2x value, 2x only. And we're not begging for 2x, right? In our evaluations, 2x has to be a pretty strong feeling 70% likely in your in your heart and in your head. So, again, I think the tight end position is just, it. they price it too dumb in DFS. 17.7 points, 2x value, exactly. You could have paid 2,000 less for DeAndre Hopkins and gotten more points. You could have paid 2,800 less at tight end itself and gotten more points out of Laporta. It's brutal. I mean, the other players you could you could have you could have played David Montgomery, who was one of the highest scorers on the slate. Period for less than that. So Travis Kelsey, thank you once again that you have incredible dating game. That is that is there's no question there. Godspeed, my man. But when it comes to DFS fantasy scoring, you're a great example of why we disrespect the tight end. All right, let's run through all the games and see what we can see, what we can find, what the trends are, and what players are showing us they are. So I'll start with this Bears-Commanders game. Justin Fields, second game in a row, showing out, making it look easy, 40-20 to 20 in this game. Sam Howell actually putting up a ton of trashy quarterback stats, but is starting to fall back to earth, it looks like, a little bit. DJ Moore, big question there. Have they just played two of the easiest matchups of the year in the last two games, or is he going to be wide receiver 
fantasy uh, fantasy wide receiver one this year, uh, as he now is after that game uh, on Thursday. So a lot of questions there about the Bears moving forward. I would think that just as we saw a terrible variance in the negative from Justin Fields to start the year, now I think we're seeing an overcorrection, and I would expect some regression back to the mean from from all players here. So we will see, though. We will see. Justin Fields has all the tools. So I said it all year. You cannot give up on a player that just a couple football games ago was a top, top quarterback option. And if you listened, you benefited uh, two games ago. You probably weren't playing on the Thursday slate. But I think Justin Fields still in your lineup. Easy. DJ Moore, it, I bet his price will skyrocket. But you can feel a little bit more comfortable pairing those two up moving forward. All right, Jags at Bills. If you're if you're still betting money lines and looking at the terrible odds and returns you can get in that space, um, you would have smartly bet the Jags in this game, right? Because the Jags were already there in London from last week. Bills flying across the pond. I mean, a complete rest mismatch. Uh, completely unfair advantage. So the only thing I'm going to say about this game is Calvin Ridley was kind of in a weird funk in terms of chemistry and drops last few weeks. This game looks like he's back on track, seven catches, 122 in yards. Don't change what you thought about him before the season. I think he's exactly that guy. Travis Etienne is just loading at this point and is going to quickly be a top four running back here shortly. I think in the next year or two, Travis Etienne is going top five in fantasy drafts. So anytime it makes sense to get him in, definitely do it. And then the other side of this I'll say is Gabe Davis. Looking like that usable Gabe Davis from two years ago that you could always kind of slyly stack with Josh Allen. He's he's starting to be more in the game script now, and the offense looks better because of it now that they're trying to spread it around a little bit more. So Gabe Davis, as long as this price makes sense, he's definitely one of those guys that needs to be a borderline value play. Uh, he looks viable moving forward, so I'll be keeping my eye on it. If he's in that 6,300 range, it ain't the dumbest thing in the world to play him with Josh Allen. Next game, Texans and Falcons. If you didn't listen to me on Friday's show, I did talk a lot about this game because, of course, Bajan Robinson is in it. But I also pointed out the low projected points in this game. So this was not a fantasy goldmine just because Bajan Robinson's in the game and Damian Pierce, a couple other guys. So honestly, if you went heavy in this game, you probably lost. Kyle Pitts actually had a pretty good game himself, seven catches, 86. Uh, Damian Pierce... Watching him play in real life looks like a great football player behind a nothing offensive line. He's doing everything he can back there. 20 carries should be a fantasy option. That speaks to the the absolute train wreck of an offensive line he's running behind. So Next up, we had the Panthers and the Lions. I'll go easy. I'll go easy on Bryce Young and the Panthers. And again, it doesn't look like a place you can really find usable fantasy options unless you really want to lean on. Adam Thielen. Uh, on the Lions side, though, like I said, in matchups where they're expected to be up, I think you just pump David Montgomery as much as possible. Otherwise, kind of a random outcome in this Lions offense unless Amon Ross St. Brown is playing. I think if they absolutely needed him to play this week, he would have, but they saw the matchup and knew that they could just have their way with this young Panthers club. So, about all I have in those games. Moving on, Titans at Colts again. In a positive game script situation, that's where Derrick Henry is going to flourish when he is not, and they're down. You could get sub-15 carries like we got in this game. Derrick Henry only 13 touches. Absolutely brutal, but 
oh well, like that's the game we're playing, right? And this game could have easily started out with the Titans up front. So no regrets in playing Derrick Henry. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, in those easy matchups uh, against pass defenses that are pretty flimsy, you could expect to get him to you know pick apart a defense. Still, that's good to see that 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 he's still capable. Although you cannot argue he's definitely lost a touch in speed and reach and, and just overall agility. Just watching him play football. And then on the other side, you have Zach Moss in this game with 23 carries. Jonathan Taylor's back. You got to expect with the money they just gave Jonathan Taylor for that, those carries to kind of even out. I could see it being an evening out, though, on the year, not an overwhelming Jonathan Taylor workload, only because with Anthony Richardson now slated to miss another month, this probably isn't a compete year for the Colts, but we'll see. But I, I honestly think they almost, Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor probably cancel each other out to some degree it's gonna be really shaky to play them moving forward giants at dolphins did i say it or did i say it that the dolphins were going to rip and explode all over the place this weekend and uh, this past weekend and they did so i was able to get four dolphins across my lineups you know i had waddle in a different one and he, he had a good stat line himself expect Jalen waddle to in his resurgence to begin from this day moving forward i think he's going to start getting more plugged in and get better looks, but I mean, this this was an easy game to to decide. No Saquon Barkley for the Giants. It's really showing. So you got to stay on the Dolphins all year. I think the only time you you have to second guess how many Dolphins you want is if they're playing, you know, a real contender. Uh, you know, like the Chiefs, Bills. You know, maybe Bengals late in the year. Uh, you could expect them to meet more resistance. But the league average and the bottom feeders. Oh my gosh, Dolphins buffet every time. Next game, Saints at Patriots. I was. Pretty right on my Friday show when I said again that I didn't see a lot of fantasy options here, but I see some good defense options. Well, I guess you could say I was half right. Thank God I was laying on the Saints side of it because, you know, I had four of six lineups of Saints defense and 20-plus points from your defense. That's it. That is just a gift. You can't really predict that. So not a lot to take away here. 34 points are scored in this game, yet Alvin Kamara, pedestrian fantasy return, Derek Carr, un- uh, not a fantasy production return. Kind of scary that that team can score that many points and not really have any one usable player out of this. Don't be too afraid of Alave, though, going forward. I think as Derek Carr's shoulder gets healthy over these next few weeks, his efficiency is going to rise, and he's still obviously the number one option in their game plan. Ravens at Steelers. Another typical body bag game in this rivalry. I think it's the best football rivalry we have in pro, pro football uh, in the last you know 15 years, but doesn't mean it's a fantasy uh, place at all, right? No options. Like I said on the show Friday, all these names on the Ravens side, none of them you can use, absolutely none of them. And unless Lamar Jackson does his scrambling thing and just gets himself individually up to the 20-plus range, you can almost wash out this entire Ravens team. And then same thing for the Steelers. You should have washed them out a while ago. Maybe George Pickens can be in there as kind of like a higher-priced value play. $6,500 would not be a stupid price to, to pay for him. But anything higher than that I think is stupid. And his six catches, 130 yards, touchdown. The guy's the best jump ball wide receiver I've ever seen. I mean, this game, multiple just small and medium gains via jumping over, you know, Randy Mossing his, his defender. So, whatever. I don't think that's very efficient or sustainable. Uh, Steelers, just nothing I'm excited about. But hey, they won the game. Eagles at Rams, just a solid, well-played football game. Not a lot of the Eagles-Rams actually went off. It was a a low-scoring game, but a well-played football game. Just not good for fantasy. 
I think both teams are kind of who we know they are to be, right? They're going to feed Kyron Williams on the Rams, and now we have the the two-headed monster at receiver with Nakua and Cup. So get used to that. Figure it out. You're going to have to engage them the rest of the year. And then on the Eagles' side, we kind of know what we have here as well. You got Hurts, Swift, Brown, and then you're always going to have lower ceiling, lower opportunity, Devontae Smith, and a high and and just a, a weekly, monthly risk of Dallas Godert. Oh, I almost said it again. <laughs> Dallas Godert getting his one game, two games where they really go to him, you know, intentionally. So the Rams are this year giving up a lot of fantasy points to tight end. So I did have Dallas Godert uh, in a lineup because of that. And I think that was the one of the two Jalen Hurts lineups I did play this week that actually cashed. So, just little things to learn there. But at this point in the season, you should pretty be you should be firm on a few teams of what they're going to do, and you're just rolling out their stacks every week. It it, it shouldn't change too much. Next game, Bengals Cardinals again. I can't learn anything about this Cardinals team. I had a few people say, "Hey, Marquise Brown, you know he's getting a lot of targets. He's in the teens and scoring." I guess I can't remember if he ended up making a lineup for me or not. I, again, I just there's nothing spectacular about this Cardinals team at all. And then I think this is a get right game for the Bengals. This is the the longest yard tune up game. And I think I think Joe Burrow has his powers back. Jamar Chase is going to be what we thought he'd be, the number two fantasy receiver the rest of the year going forward. The one thing I will say though, Joe Mixon just looks like there's been. Uh, some wear and tear on that body, and that this truly is his last useful year to be the featured running back. Just not spectacular at all, not agile, not getting through the holes he used to get through easily. He's just lost a step, So, and he's had a long, high-use career at this point, so it's normal. So starting to soften my love for him. He has been my prototypical stud-only running back, you know, the last three, four years. So, you know, sometimes saying goodbye is hard, but we might be there with with old Joe. So next game, Jets, Broncos. You got to target the Broncos every single week. I think when no matter what team is playing them, the Broncos are the drunk goggles of the NFL. Everybody looks pretty when they're playing the Broncos. So always be targeting the high usage players when, when they're playing the Broncos. Uh, no matter who, I would even, hell, I'd even say the Steelers, you'd have to do it too. You know, some of these teams I say are, are fantasy graveyards. You, they at least need to be considered if they're playing this Broncos team who are already trading away their best defensive players five games, four games into the season. On the Jets side, it doesn't look like Zach Wilson is going to be able to make Garrett Wilson usable in fantasy at all this year. I think this game should put that to bed completely. And don't overreact for the inevitable game one game we'll have over the next 10 weeks where Garrett Wilson does have like three short touchdown catches or something it may it may happen but by then he should not be owned at all it ain't gonna hurt you and then don't overreact when that happens mark my words other than that if the Jets are in a solid uh game script then I think Brees Hall is somebody you can you can play but even even if it's if it's any other team besides these these cupcake teams you still need to I think second guess Brees Hall too as well it's just purely gonna be a matchup read Kind of like a David Montgomery situation where, you know, uh, this is a a game where maybe they're favored by three, five points at home. That's kind of where I would see playing Brees Hall moving forward. But he had had his best game of the year. I mean this, but everybody's having their best game of the year uh, when they play the Broncos. Next game, Chiefs-Vikings. Another what I thought well-played game. Kirk Cousins actually outplayed Mahomes. Um, You know, 284 yards, two touchdown passes. And he did all that while the Chiefs shut down Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson had his worst game of the year. 
I think he had, I think, under 40 yards, maybe definitely under 50 yards receiving, only a couple catches. So that's good. Other than that, though, this Chiefs team, kind of unspectacular for, for fantasy purposes, right? I mean, their star player, Kelsey, can catch 10 balls and not really move the needle at all for you uh, in a DFS contest. And he's going to be priced to the absolute freaking moon, which makes no sense. Kelsey honestly should be 6,500, 7K, 7,200 max, right? So whatever. It is what it is there. And, and Mahomes in this game, he did not go off. He did not have uh, he did not have a good fantasy day, you know, at all. It, it can just be said. Yet the Chiefs still win because that's how good of a football team they are. Always a difference between football, football teams, and fantasy football teams. So keep that in mind uh, as I'm kind of a little more negative tones on, you know, literally the best quarterback in the world. Uh, it's strictly for, you know, DFS purposes. Uh, the other, only other takeaway here, Isaiah Pacheco, I think he's exactly who we think he is. You know, he's unless he gets that break, one breakaway run, 20-yard run, uh, you know, they, they do so many weird things the Chiefs do inside the five-yard line. He's not even a given for the goal line carry, even though he got one in this game. So Isaiah Pacheco, Alexander Madison, you can kind of just tie them together, and they're kind of the same running back. They're going to give you just a little bit above – you know, the average in terms of efficiency touches, but not big time. They're not going to gash anybody, multiple long runs. And again, I think uh, Alexander Pacheco must exert more energy taking a single step than I do going up both flights of stairs in my house. Good Lord. What is, what is that guy doing? Uh, anyway, last game. And I'll, and I'll be honest, did not get a good look at the Sunday night game. It got out of hand pretty early. And I thought, you know, Hey, let's just get a good night's sleep instead. So I don't have a big read on this other than I see the three touchdown catch game by Kittle. Here's my take when that happens in a primetime game. Good. Get it out in the primetime game, not the main slate. Because if you chase that Kittle game, three catches for three touchdowns. If you start chasing that at his 6,500, 7K range the rest of the year, uh, you're, you're going to be lacking. You're going to be missing uh, the true lineup builds that you should be in. And you're going to be losing the lineups that have access to players that you can't touch. So happy to see that Kittle can get some feel-good stats for his brand in a primetime game, but not going to overreact or seek that out in actual DFS. Uh, On the other side, fantasy graveyard Cowboys? I mean, C.D. Lamb, where are you at this year? Tony Pollard, tons of carries, not a lot of points. Yikes. I think, and, and I did not hold back at all about my choice of, of the offensive coordinator made by Mike McCarthy in the offseason, I said that Mike McCarthy can regress teams, can erode franchises, unlike any other head coach I have seen in the NFL. And we're seeing, I think, a masterwork here by McCarthy. Just the wheels are completely falling off. The Trey Lance uh, murmurs are have already started. Like, what a disaster. I feel bad for Jerry Jones. You know, late, late in age, it'd be nice to see have him get one more run in here, but I don't think it's going to be with Dak Prescott quarterback. It's definitely not going to be with Mike McCarthy at head coach. I kind of wonder at this point in time if Sean Payton kind of wishes he had given it just one more year uh, to come in in Dallas and be the guy. But just uh, at three and two still record, the Cowboys do not look like a contender, but we'll have to see moving forward. All right, that's all the games. That's all the uh, takeaways, everything I could see from the week. You guys have anything you'd like to add? Make sure you find me on Twitter at Player Pool Pod. Shoot it my way, and we'll discuss it. And that'll do it for today's show. Again, make sure you're watching your processes through the week, everybody. I think it's so important. 
know where you're failing yourself in this process and make adjustments and do not adjust your real life, your personal life or your family life obligations, anything for DFS, but find the little holes, the little gaps in your week and plug those, those little free spaces in with some DFS work. That's I think the best way to do it moving forward. And if you're guy, if you're a guy who could not just bet one time a week, one, be mindful of that in yourself. But also, I will say, as a guy, I used to play all the showdown games, all the single games. So I would play the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, the Thursday night game. Ultimately, after about six years, I learned that the returns on that just weren't worth the time and the reward. I mean, I was betting, I was betting a lot to basically come back with like a positive, like ten percent gain at the end of the year. It just was not worth it, and I lost money in, in other years too. So. But I do kind of miss kind of that betting touch more and more through the week. So I will say one of my one of my really good friends, uh, Zach, he found that uh, on on FanDuel Sportsbook and I'm sure on DraftKings Sportsbook as well, you can just bet the total uh, for the for each half in these primetime games. You can just bet that total is going to be even or an odd number. And he found that, and he could articulate this better than I can. But the even outcome is just a higher likelihood in general, in just terms of football scoring. You know, he found it's more like a 65, 70% of the time. That's where it ends at. So one thing I do is I literally just put down five bucks on the first half total being an even number and then five bucks on the second half total being an even number. So I call it the Diet Coke of betting. You know, it kind of gives you what you want, but it's, you know, supposed to be just a tad bit healthier for you. Um, so if you want to fill in, you know, these primetime games with that, you know, have at it, uh, see, see how that goes for you. Uh, no DFS prowess required for that one. That's just That's just a freebie, so... All right. Well, hey, I'm excited for the progress and the results that the player pool listeners have had in this last week. I'm ready to carry it into week six. Super stoked. Make sure you're tuning in. We'll be back Friday. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you next time.